Hello everyone, you are on the Mathy podcast between friends conversations with Mathy. This is your host Nandini Ray with my production team member Daman Tiwana welcoming you all. We are presenting today's episode to celebrate trans queer marginalized lives. In this episode we will discuss oppression and discrimination faced by this marginalized group and shine a light on their contributions to society. Today we have invited Anjali Rimi, the co-founder and president of Parivar Bay Area. Parivar focuses on driving TGNC economic justice and LGBT inclusion within the South Asian diaspora. Anjali is committed all her efforts in uplifting trans queer marginalized lives and changing their narrative to be lovable, respectable and competent individuals who can hold jobs, be in relationships belong to their families and contribute greatly to society. Welcome Anjali, welcome to our show. Thank you so much Nandini, thank you for having me on the show. It's a great pleasure to be here and to have this much needed conversation but also to share our experiences um, in this community. I'm Anjali Rimi, pronouns as she, her, they, them. Anjali, let's start our conversation introducing Parivar. I know Parivar is an amazing South Asian queer trans family as we co-hosted a community panel discussion uh, with Parivar recently and um, you know, all speakers from Parivar did a fantastic job. But it is possible that many of our listeners may not know about this great organization. So introduce Parivar to our listeners. My pleasure. Thank you for that question, Nandini. Parivar Bay Area is a movement. It is a collection of thoughts, love, and togetherness. Parivar is a South Asian, trans, gender non-conforming, intersex-centered, queer organization that powerfully centers trans lives beyond cisness and beyond the limit within, within the South Asian diaspora. And we also powerfully welcome all LGBT cis folks and their allies. Parivar came to exist because of the community need to find each other, to be able to uplift the voices of those that need to be heard. Um, it's a very interesting journey. We were asked by one of the organizations based in San Francisco Bay Area to do a three-part series that focused on South Asian queer trans lives. By our second night, we were over capacity and we started getting very touching messages and emails and phone calls, really showcasing that there was a great need in the community for such an organization to exist, a space, a collective, a platform where folks could be ethnically themselves and also be able to celebrate their sexual diversity and gender identities. So Parivar was created in November of 2018, was founded in January of 2019, and our focus is primarily to ensure that we are working through on the intersectionality of being South Asian and also being at the at the crossroads of our gender identity. It's about uplifting the entire South Asian diaspora. You know, we kind of talk about South Asians being synonymous with Indians, but South Asian identity is much more than Indic identity. It's beyond that. So we promote an inclusive definition of the South Asian diaspora, including 
individuals from Caribbean, West Indies, Africa, the Middle East, Asia, and anywhere else in the world. We also are really focused on making sure we we do our part in building racial equity and cultural humility to fight casteism, xenophobia, Islamophobia, gender binary constraints, anti-blackness, and really try to achieve immigration equality. And you touched on the partnerships that we do go into to be able to drive all of this mission and vision we have to build that awareness through education and such conversations. Ultimately, I'll say that Parivar has really had to change uh, what we are good at doing, uh, which was to build visibility to COVID relief efforts. So we, we do work with organizations in India, uh, four organizations that are focused on building trans entrepreneurship and capability. So trans folks have an opportunity to get salary, get paid and build their skill sets. And in the Bay Area and greater part of the U.S., we have been we have been leading a coalition to raise funds and to bridge uh, connections to be able to support folks with essentials and food uh, food needs and a lot of other other situations as they were going through the pandemic. It's wonderful mission and vision. I am requesting all of our uh, listeners to. Visit your website, uh, that is parivarbearia.org, P-A-R-I-V-A-R, and so that they can learn about your um, organization. I also know that you have a Facebook, right? Yes, we do. It's uh, Facebook, Parivar Bay Area on Facebook. Okay, so I, I, I hope that people will visit that and know about your work. Uh, other countries, they also will be able to know that. Anjali, to create a center space for the most marginalized members of our communities and in order to deconstruct the impact of general oppression, gender oppression against transgender people, we need to understand specific terms within gender identity and oppressive system. A common misconception some people have is that the term sex has the same meaning as gender and they use it interchangeably. So they may not understand the sex and gender have two distinct definitions. And there is so much more beyond gender binary. As non-binary people show us every day that, that knowing one's authentic self and identity is a powerful thing. But the problem is if anyone has a misunderstanding or misconception about gender non-conforming people, then their wrong assumption can create dangerous and oppressive environment. So please educate us, educate our listeners on what does TGNC mean? What does transgender non-conforming mean? Great question. And I'll start with really the basics. It's important to understand that as human beings, we have various components of who we are. Two of those primary ones that you touched on are sex and gender. Sex is essentially what you're born with, your genitalia, your physical anatomy is what determines sex. Gender is far from it. Gender is a psychological state of the mind as to what we identify as. So it's important to recognize that they're very vastly different. But also beyond that, within gender, most people wouldn't know this, but beyond man and woman, there are 110 known genders in the human species. There's a lot more in nature, but
But what has come to become is that the gender binary of a man and a woman is how we identify and recognize. And it's heightened with the colonization, which has only further compounded this as problematic aspect. Gender is a lot of things beyond male and female. In transgender, the word trans is to be in transit, in trans, in flux, in progress, in movement. So all of those things basically say that transgender person is somebody who does not identify with the sex that they were born in. Doesn't take away from who we are, but it also doesn't correspond with our birth sex. And I think that is where we kind of get othered and moved out of the valid gender identities. Transgender is anything to do with many aspects. It's an umbrella. It's an umbrella term for many expressions within the trans community. Like you mentioned, you know, there's trans male and trans female. And as the name suggests, trans female, uh, which is how I identify myself, or a female of trans experience is one who has, who was born as birth sex was male and they have attested to the gender binary of a female or a female identifying person and that's how they exist in their world in an authentic way. Trans men is the opposite of that. Somebody who was assigned at birth sex as a female and who have transcended to live as an authentic male in the community. So it doesn't take away from who we are, but it's also the, the challenge we have. And in the South Asian community, there is another aspect for us to kind of also double click on. That is the aspect of transgender identities and hijra identities. Hijra is socio-psychological state of expressing feminine energy that has more of a cultural connotation than to do with an individual's gender identification of self. And it is an indoctrination of getting into a, what some folks call a cult, have, you know, like a guru chela system and be able to adapt to the responsibilities of being in that group. So there is a, it's a tight knit community and some folks within the Hitra community can be trans. But in great majority, they do not identify as trans. And I'm not general, I don't want to generalize by any means. But the trans community as such is different. And, you know, most times on the Western Hemisphere, we say, you know, folks think that the Hindi translation or the Hindi word for trans is Hitra. So we need to really change that connotation and also recognize that Hitra community is one that was considered to be demigods and really respected before colonization happened and they got dethroned and dismantled from their status. Coming back to trans, transgender also means many folks who are within that umbrella, that widespread umbrella that includes genderqueer, third gender, cross-dresser, drag, male to female, female to male, amb- ambigender, by gender. But one aspect that I want to recognize and that is definitely being seen and identifying more is the gender non-binary or gender non-conforming. Are individuals who do not attest to either one of the gender binary and live in a state of euphoria based on their sexual freedom and fluidity. It's important to recognize that gender non-binary folks or gender non-conforming folks with the O, are typically 
go with pronouns they, them. So, you know, that's important to mention because when we have, when we want to use inclusive language, we must make sure that we start with using the right pronouns. So my pronouns are she, her, but I also recognize as gender non-binary. So I go with they, them as well. And so that is the, you know, the, uh, the short and the long of transgender, you know, basically saying that, you know, it's varied identities. They have something in common, but there's some element of crossing over or challenging traditional gender role expressions or expectations. You described such a rich subject so beautifully in so easy language that anybody can understand. I'm so glad that I invited you so that you can educate all of us. In every heteronormative and misogynistic patriarchal society, transgender and gender non-conforming communities always face oppression, and no doubt about it, we all know that. And oppression is perpetuated in multiple aspects of a society, like on an individual level, interpersonal, institutional, and systematic level. And it is the synergy of these levels that produce the transphobic results, both intentionally and unintentionally. And people who value misogynistic patriarchal culture show their biases openly against this marginalized group of our community. And some may not show their biases openly, but they may feel that, oh, this group doesn't belong to our community. It's, it's us and them. And they are outsiders. And that is also a covert discrimination and it hurts. So I'm sure in your work at Parivar, you are seeing closely that people are facing oppression and discrimination on a daily basis because of their gender identity. So tell us some facts, incidents of this kind of discrimination that are bothersome for you. You brought up a very much needed discussion, but also kind of can be triggering uh, because as a trans woman who has had to, in a sense, escape the South Asian community and come to the U.S. and be able to exist and survive, um, I can say that it is difficult for anybody to exist as a trans person. In this world that is very gender binary, that is so cis-head male dominated, but it's also compounded when you layer upon my South Asian identity, which is now making me have an intersectionality. Intersectionality is a big word. But it, it essentially means that whatever identities I have that allow somebody to discriminate or oppress me all come together at intersections, like literally at intersections. And that's what my intersectionality is. When that happens, you know, we are further relegated within the marginalized community. So trans people of color, black, brown, trans people are further marginalized in the community, in any community for that matter. The status of trans people anywhere in the world is far from being healthy. In India, the system has relegated most trans people, along with the Hijras, to a third gender. And I applaud that, you know, they're protected, they have reservations, they can get passports and such, but it does not allow them to assimilate into the community and society. They're still very much ostracized by the society and they're relegated to begging and sex work. Let me give you an example. COVID hit, India went into a lockdown. We have organizations that we're working with. 
they can't even go to the bank and get the money out. Yes, the government is giving out rice and all that, but they were starving because nobody gives us a place to rent. So when we find a place, we are living seven or eight people in one place. And I'm talking about the status in India. There's a shelter we work with, which is one of the few shelters that takes in trans folks, transgenderian folks. They were in the same boat. So here's a community that has starved many nights, but yet they still took part in distributing rations when they became available. Why did trans community get left behind? Because we are already relegated to not be treated as human beings and not be considered to be those that need all the support and are just like any other human being we exist. That's one part of it. The other extreme and the more triggering and sad part is that there are countless murders and violence meted out to trans people that don't even get recorded all over the world. In America, we've been keeping track since 2015, and unfortunately, we've lost folks every single year, the most being last year when we lost 44 trans people, mostly black trans folks. You know, we have to really watch our back. We have to have a strategy to walk from here to the store so that nobody gets us. And it's pretty sad to know that all of those compound into the statistics and the figures that say that the average life of a trans person of color, mostly black trans folks, is 35 years. Now, can you imagine if you were born and your parents have already decided that are told in many ways that your child's not going to live past 35 because they're transitioned or they're, they're trans, I think Parents are going to be worried, but that's the fact of life. So when I celebrated my birthday, going over the hill and being over 40, I feel jubilant that I got past that average life. 72% of the trans community lives under the poverty line in a first nation like America. And almost all of them live below the poverty line in India and many other South Asian spaces. 45% of Trans people have contemplated committing suicide or have to try to do that. Here's where I think I'll draw the comparison of me trying to be myself in a world that said I didn't belong. I met all the expectations of my parents, studied to have an education. But as soon as my trans identity was out and open because I wanted to live an authentic life, I was quickly relegated to being incompetent and being somebody who cannot handle conversations or cannot sit alongside other women and disqualified me as being a woman. So I think it's important to recognize that there is a huge aspect of discrimination around many, many things from documents to medical care to legal protection, to immigration, to being able to go to school and be make some things out of ourselves. Oh, Anjali, this is 2021 and we claim that we are a member of civilized society. I'm sitting here and hearing all this discrimination and abuse that people are having, human being is having against another human being. I'm so sorry. I'm sure our discussion will help our listeners to reflect on their own actions and identify if they have any bias, if they are doing any such wrong things. And I truly hope that all our listeners will become our ally and each of them will try their best to prevent 
all forms of gender oppression and violence. अगर आप या कोई और जिसे आप जानते हैं जो घरेलू और डोमेस्टिक वायलेंस से गुजर रहे हैं कृपया मैत्री से संपर्क करें मैत्री की सेवाएं बिल्कुल मुफ्त और विश्वसनीय हैं। हमारी सेवाएं हिंदी पंजाबी मराठी गुजराती और अन्य दक्षिण एशियाई भाषाओं में उपलब्ध हैं। यू कैन कॉल अस मंडे टू फ्राइडे नाइन टू थ्री पी एम ऑन वन एट 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 सिक्स टू फोर एट सेवन फोर फॉर आफ्टर आवर्स लीव वॉइस मेल इन योर लैंग्वेज यू कैन ऑल्सो ई मेल अस एट मैत्री Do you want to discuss any myth about transgender lives and relationships? The one myth is that you know we are not human, like you mentioned. Like you know, I trigger warning. I have tried to not exist. I don't like to use that word four times in my life. I'm a successful trans woman. I'm an exception that has been able to get out of India and make something out of myself and somehow navigate the system. So that is the first aspect is that are not human is making making us believe and the trans youth suicide rate is the highest anywhere in the world. The second myth is you know something very drastic that we are social elements that are unhealthy for communities, and that should be the last thing a South Asian community should look at us as because. South Asian community is one that's tolerant, one that's secular, and one that beautifully exists despite all the colors and the chaos of our individual identity. But we are quickly put in a bucket and segregated and pushed away. We are not allowed to rent homes. We are not allowed to date. We are not allowed to have you know marriages and live our life that way because we are considered to be invalidated and considered to be deviants, which is the farthest thing. Another myth about us trans folks is everybody who is trans is going to go through physical transition or gender transition, but it's varying levels. Some folks are comfortable with on their journey with being able to take hormones and be complete with that. The other aspect is folks that do want to go through the Entire procedure of gender affirming surgery, and they're able to live their life more authentically. And it's not one surgery that's going to fix. It's not like a on and off button. The other myth is that children aren't old enough to know their transgender identity. Gender identity is known to a child when they're three or four years old. Let's prove it. I knew who I was by the age of seven. Of course, I didn't know the word. I started recognizing and realizing who I was at eleven, and hoping that I would become this beautiful girl when I woke up one fine day. Transgender people are not mentally ill. This is not a mental disease, and that's how aunties and uncles and pinnies and attas and chattas and chattis kind of tell our parents who are trans that tomorrow pagal bachego kuch pagal hai. But that's the farthest. The trans people are some of the smartest people in this world. That's the myth. Actually, I also want to touch upon that many people who are in a traditional patriarchal, who believe in traditional patriarchal norms and condition, for them it is very easy to say that oh, something wrong with your child. Your child has mental health problem. Without understanding anything, without even trying to understand anything, they just put that label on on somebody. They don't know that it can be detrimental for that child and as well as for that family or parent. 
but they just put that level. That's a good point to make, and we should really break that down, Nandini. When we have such misogyny in our South Asian community, where women are gagged to be able to even express themselves, and I have education, having a whole lot of degrees, does not give anybody the basics of how to be excellent human being. So you've already got an oppression happening to an almost, if not better, gender within the South Asian community of so many women going to have to face so much discrimination at all ages. Now you compound that with gender identity that defines women to be a different kind of woman, but still a woman. It's only complicating and perplexing to one that continues to be want to ignore, be ignorant, and use their male chauvinism to suppress such voices. So we have to recognize that there are a lot of marginalized voices in our South Asian community, but we don't talk about it. We just keep it, you know, closed doors. And I, I'm a living example of that. I can flourish and do all that, but I can never go back to my extended family in India. It's this breakdown we have to really talk about. But the other aspect that I wanted to bring up was the fact that our sexual orientation has nothing to do with our trans identity. Sexual orientation is who you go to bed with. Gender identity is who you go to bed as. And that's a big myth that needs to be dispelled out there. Yes, there is the hijra cultural aspect and considered as third gender. But we are not third gender, and we don't want to be that way. We want to be able to live our life as any other male or female, cis person, head person out there. And I'll, finally, I'll say, we are not molesters. We are not out to kidnap your children. We are human beings just going to the bathroom to just pee. One of the most important things that we need to see happen in the trans community is to build capability and have opportunity. And so Parivar Bay Area strongly partners with a great organization called Aravani Art Project. You can learn more about them on our website. It is a collective which involves collaborative public and wall art project to raise awareness of the friendship between trans women and other people, women, men, everybody in public spaces. It's a beautiful journey of allowing trans folks to have another option besides having to go into sex work or begging and be able to come to a studio in Bangalore every single day, get paid a stipend and be able to stay in a safe space while expressing their alternate voices through art. They paint murals. Most of their work is done in public spaces. It's bodies of transgender identifying people that are telling the world that the violence, harassment, social negligence, and pressure meted out to us. Despite all that, we are going to beautifully paint to make this a beautiful world. You can find their murals in almost every city in India, in the Bay Area. You can find their murals at the Facebook offices in Menlo Park and also at the Office of Transgender Initiatives in downtown San Francisco. I can keep going on about the myths and the violence that's meted out as a result of believing those, but I'll stop here. No, I'm glad that we are having this conversation today, and it is evident that there's a lot of work to be done in debunking uh, those myths and uh, in securing full protection and rights uh, for our non-binary uh, siblings. 
I would like to acknowledge that some members of our community, at least they are trying their best to raise awareness, talk about this issue that matters to our community and we want to bring change. And that's the reason we had this panel discussion with Parivar and not only that, we have, have had a couple of other panel discussions focusing those social injustice, uh, gender injustice. And we are seeing that people are, some people are trying their best to learn about the issue and they are trying their best to take part. But it's a long way to go, long way to go. And there are a lot of incidents uh, where trans and gender non-binary kids, they are rejected by their parents, families. And we all know that acceptance begins at home. And if parents, family members, friends, neighbors, co-workers, teachers, they all become welcoming, then we can surely create an inclusive community. Can you share some tips on how our community can be more inclusive and welcoming for all gender? What can be done to prevent abuse and discrimination against this marginalized group of our community? I think I would start by saying that we have to just be human beings. We just Human beings by nature are good hearted, right? And I continue to believe that despite everything I've gone through in life. So I think it's important to recognize that it's not just the trans community that needs to be uplifted and taken care of. In the South Asian community, we are very, very powerfully giving labels. You know, she's divorced, she's a rape victim, she is the housemaid. We give labels. And when you start doing that, your brain and your mind is going to continue to be so constricted and live in those compartmentalized ways. And that you pass on to generations and to your children see that kind of behavior. So it's important to dispel those labels and actually recognize that one has to treat everybody equally. Attached to that is the fact that the qualifiers in the South Asian community are not accessible to everybody. Just because somebody doesn't have education doesn't disqualify their thoughts or their comments or their opinion. And 95% of trans people have never been able to get access to education. Being able to open the fundamental aspect of learning to everybody is basic rights. Trans people are not asking for special rights or any marginalized community ever wants is equal rights. We want justice, equity, and equal rights. An individual has to recognize their privilege, and a lot of folks are privileged. I have privilege. I'm sitting here being able to talk to you without somebody chasing me with a knife. So I think it's important to build that awareness and education and reach out. In our communities of South Asians and brown folks, as long as it doesn't happen to you or your family, it doesn't become important to address. Yes, exactly. Empathy and understanding, these are really important in all our lives. Like, for example, at Maitri also say the same thing, that unless someone is going through domestic violence or someone's family members, they are not going through domestic violence, Many times people, they don't understand the, the seriousness of this issue, seriousness talking about the addressing this issue and how can we change patriarchal culture that is harmful patriarchal culture that is um, instigating domestic violence or partner violence. So all of us need to understand that, yes, it is not happening probably in our life today, but it is happening in our community. 
it is happening with our friends and you know, allies. So how can we be ally? How can we be supportive and respectful to all community members? That's a very basic, simple thing for human beings. But I, I don't know why people have so much trouble in respecting other people, respecting other people the way they want to be respected. It's so unfortunate that people around the world are still facing violence and abuse because of who they are, how they look, and who they love. So it is necessary for all of us to address and identify these inequalities in human relationships. I think we all can take part individually and collectively in preventing abuse and violence in human relationships. This is not about any specific community, any trans community or gender binary or non-binary community. It, it's for all human beings. We can respectful to each other. We can be supportive to each other. And hopefully one day we will see that. So thank you for sharing your thoughts, Anjali. I know International Transgender Day of Visibility is coming up. So would you like to share something about that? Absolutely. And I want to touch on what you brought up so beautifully. It's about being human, being able to apologize when you make a mistake, being able to stay authentic. And at Paribar, we strive to build that allyship because, you know, when you're addressing racism, you need white people there. In the yes. same way, when we are trying to uplift trans communities, we need the cis allies to be there. Everything we do at Parivar from holding events to collaborations to being able to address the disparities is to be able to achieve that trans justice and that trans equity. And it is just unseen and blind of an aspect within the South Asian diaspora, and we have to address that. It is pretty pronounced with parents not understanding their children. And I think it's important to recognize and look around and see that trans people have been very successful when they have been given access and when they have been given an opportunity. Transgender visibility emerges from that. You know, we've been celebrating transgender visibility since 2010. And it's about uplifting and celebrating trans lives, our achievements, our competencies, our our existence and what we have contributed to the community and to actually say that we should be saving trans lives and trans includes transgender, gender non-binary, intersex, gender fluid and gender queer, all those folks, because the violence is not what we want to be associated or known by. We want more than that. We want folks to be able to see the visibility of trans folks being able to not just survive but thrive. So. That day is commemorated by making sure that you're building allyship within the communities and making sure that we are uplifting and celebrating those that are our allies, recognizing their privilege and are able to show up for us. And it's about education. Anytime we get an opportunity to be able to share our stories like I'm doing here today, it's a way of education and a way of driving awareness. All of those happen at Transgender of Visibility across the world. Every year it's celebrated on March 31st. Visibility is important for all of us and it should be a liberating and healing experience for all of us. For some, it can be risky, as you said, that trans folk, they need to, many times they need to watch their back. And it's so shameful here in 2021. But for these harmful social conditions, we still see this kind of incident. Hopefully, we will see change in our society, and at least some of us are trying. 
Thank you so much, Anjali, for educating us. We are almost out of time, so ending this discussion with, with a heavy heart and enormous hope for a better future for all of us. Anjali, thank you so much for coming to our show and sharing your wealth of knowledge, experience, and vulnerability with such a grace. I'm sure we will do more shows on this topic to keep the conversation alive. I hope today's discussion will help many of us to recognize our own biases and also it will motivate us to take part in creating a welcoming and inclusive environment around us where all genders can feel safe, respected and happy. I just wanted to say in closing that the easiest way to empower trans lives is for is by showing up and listening and recognizing who we are, taking the time to understand what gender journeys look like. And I really appreciate you giving me this opportunity and you know letting me connect with the South Asian community, my home community, to be able to at least educate one person who listens to this if not more, and be able to show up for us, stand behind us, stand next to us, or stand in front of us to protect our lives. Thank you very much for having me. Wonderful, wonderful, Anjali, wonderful. I also hope the same. Thank you. This is your host, Nandini Ray, thanking you all for listening to our show today. Uh, We are ending this show with a lot of hope that you can be our ally in true sense. Support Parivar, support Maitri, and uh, and know what our our know about our mission, vision, and please take part in bringing a new tomorrow. Keep listening to the Maitri podcast between friends. Find all our episodes on SoundCloud, Apple, Google, Spotify, and other podcast apps. Please like, share, and comment. Bye for now. Sending you all a big virtual hug. Stay safe and stay happy. Thank you. This show is for informational purposes only and is not to be construed as legal advice. Always consult an attorney for legal advice. Views expressed by guests of the radio show are individual opinions and not endorsed by Maidri.